So good to see you all today. So good to be with you on this uh, second Sunday of Advent. Uh, my name is Pastor Sharon. I'm one of the pastors on our Community Life team here at New Life. And uh, I do want to say before I get into today's sermon uh, that today after service, for those of you who are joining us on live stream, there will be a sermon discussion uh, in our virtual lobby, and I'll be leading that time, about 30 minutes that we'll be together uh, just to discuss the sermon. There'll be some opportunity to ask some questions. So I'm really looking forward to that virtual space uh, right after service in our virtual lobby today. Uh, Looking forward to being with you there. Uh, So as I said, uh, this is our second week of Advent. We've lit the peace candle, and we feel really fortunate to uh, be, be in this time of waiting. In Advent, we remember that Jesus has come, that he continues to come to us, and that he will come again for us. And so we rest and find peace in that today. And we'll find peace in today's scripture as well. I'll be reading from Isaiah. We're going to continue this series we've been in in Isaiah. And we call this Advent series Waiting on Isaiah, Waiting with Isaiah. Um, Because this prophetic book really talks about waiting on Jesus to come uh, and anticipating the birth of a king. And so with that, I want to read for, for you today Isaiah 40. Uh, will be in verses 27 through 31. So if you have your Bibles, you can flip there, Isaiah 40. And again, as today is uh, a day of peace in the Advent calendar, I want you to receive and embrace the peace that God has for you today in today's text as I read. Why, Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases power to the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, thank you that we can be in your presence today, that your word reaches us, that it speaks to us, that you meet us wherever we are. And today, that's my prayer, Lord, that you would meet us as you find us today, God. To each one that's weary, to each one that is looking for a word of strength or encouragement, God, I pray that they would find it in your word today. Bring it to life to us even now as we wait on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, A few years ago, I found myself, as many parents do, or sometimes just for ourselves, on a late-night pharmacy run. Uh, Someone was sick or needed medicine, and so it couldn't wait. Uh, I had to go out a little bit late at night and and go to the local pharmacy. 
and so, as you might imagine, for those of you who live in the city, uh, late-night pharmacy runs can be a little interesting. You know, uh, not too many pharmacies are open all night, but the ones that are, you know, it's usually a very interesting crowd that's there. And so um, I went, and as I approached the pharmacy, um, there was a young man waiting outside the door. And, uh, you know, I was sure he was going to talk to me when I got there, and of course he did. But his request was that he was very, very hungry. And uh, he knew that this particular pharmacy had a sale on this case of ramen. And he was asking, he's like, it's not very much money. It's really cheap. It's on sale. Can you please get it for me? I'm so hungry. And, uh, and so, you know, I've, Andrew and I have made it a point in the recent few years to, um, to make sure that if anyone asks us for food or for help, we would just, we would just give open-handedly. And so I said, sure, I'll, I can do that for you. And I asked him what it was and what he wanted. And so I went in. I went and did my other shopping. You know, I had to get a couple of, um, you know, medicine for the kids and things like that. And so and then I went into the aisle with the ramen, and what he had described was not there. Uh, it was not on sale. It wasn't in the case or, you know, kind of container he said it was or the number of packets. And, you know, I thought for a second, like, oh, all right, well, whatever. And so I just got him something. You know, I got him whatever the biggest case was. And so when I went out, you know, I had it bagged separately so I could just hand it off to him. And um, he was so ecstatic. I mean, you would have thought I held, handed out to him a tray with like filet mignon on it or, you know, some really fancy meal like on a, on a silver platter. Uh, he was so ecstatic. And then one of the things he said to me when he was thanking me was, I thought you forgot me. And that really hit me because I thought, I wonder how many people he asked. And maybe they even said, yeah, 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 I'll do it. Um, just to get him to let them go in the store but then they walked back out past him without a thought. And so the fact that I went in and I actually did it, he was just so taken aback. And it reminded me how hard it is to wait and how hard it is to keep hope when you're waiting. And especially, you know, I was a stranger to him. He had no idea what my character was and if I was going to keep my promise. It's hard to sustain waiting like that when we don't know who we're trusting and what's ahead. And that's where we find God's people in this passage. We find them in an extended season of waiting in crisis. You see, chapters 1 through 39 of Isaiah is really focused on the fact that they are in a bad way. They're in a bad situation, and they're not doing things the way God has asked them to do, which is kind of a recurring thing in this uh, part of the Old Testament uh, as there are kings and, ki and a kingdom of Israel. And so God, over and over again, through the prophet Isaiah, is begging them to take a turn, to come back to his ways, because they're being marked right now by oppression, by injustice, by idolatry. Now remember, Israel enjoyed special favor from God and special protection from God because the, the, the world was meant to see through Israel what was possible when God's people collaborate with God and choose to do things God's way instead of their own way, to do things differently than all the other kingdoms and nations around them and to be a light to the world, to see this is what's possible when God's people collaborate with him. This is what's possible, people flourishing, all people. But instead, 
Instead of entering into that and staying in that, staying as a different people, a holy people, set apart people, different from all the other kingdoms around them, they ended up doing things the exact same way. Their kings kept turning to the ways of the world and the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of other rulers in order to bring about flourishing. It was, they looked just like all the other nations around them. And so God allows them to be conquered. He allows them to experience the consequences that the other nations would experience, being conquered. And so they were taken into Babylon. Their cities were destroyed. And here they are living in a foreign land in exile for decades. And so all along the way in these chapters 1 through 39, Isaiah keeps extending. He's warning them. He's, he's letting them know like judgment is near. But he's also extending hope to them that they'll change their ways. But there's a shift here at chapter 40. At this point, the author's no longer talking uh, to people who could avoid exile if they make a change. Instead, he's now talking to people who have been in exile for some time. They're enduring a difficult and painful time. So what does that mean? It means that they've experienced a traumatic event and have spent years under stressful conditions. And they are trying very hard to hold on to hope at this point. We can think about some of the things that they would have been experiencing. A loss of self-rule. They're no longer able to govern themselves. They've lost the temple. Now, the temple is where God's presence dwells among his people. This is part of what made them distinct, that God himself would be among them. But now they've lost that temple. They're waiting in a prolonged period of crisis right now. They don't know exactly how this will end, and they're just in, in, in such a difficult situation. They've lost their routine. Remember, they're in a foreign land. All their usual landmarks, all their usual activities are gone. They are in, they've lost the familiar. They're in a foreign land, and so even the, even the places that they would normally go for comfort or for time alone or to see loved ones, those are all gone. They have um, instability and shifts within leadership. Even though they were conquered ultimately by Babylon, Babylon was conquered and then someone else conquered, and eventually the Persians were ruling them by the time exile ended. So they're seeing all these shifts even in who is, who is oppressing them. And then, of course, ultimately a fear of an uncertain future. If God is not relating to them in the ways he used to, what can they look forward to? What can they expect? What is ahead How is God going to provide for them? Now, some of this may sound very familiar and feel very familiar to us in 2020. Uh, Thanks to the pandemic and uh, a very intense election season and racial injustices, we see that some of these things really resonate. Um, The loss of the temple, we may not have lost our church. Of course not. The church is not just a building. It's the people. But we have lost some of the things that we do to share and worship together. We have been waiting in a prolonged period of crisis. It's not decades, but we've been here for several months, much longer than maybe we thought. And we know that we will be in this period for months to come. There's a loss of routine. We've had to reinvent so many of the things we do in our day-to-day life. We're not in a foreign land, but we did lose a lot of what is familiar to us. We see instabilities and shifts in leadership, uh, again, after this intense political season. And then, of course, 
We share the fear of an uncertain future. We don't know what's ahead. We don't know how this is going to resolve. We have ideas, we have theories, there are plans being floated out there, but we don't know exactly how this will end and how much more we have to endure in the meantime. We don't share all the things that they'd shared, but, and I don't want to make light of the exile and the intensity because we're not at the same scale. We're months in, not decades in. But some of these feelings and fears we can connect with in new ways than we could have a year ago reading this same passage because we're experiencing a traumatic event on a national level. And because of that, I think this text speaks to us in Advent in brand new ways. We're not in a foreign land, but we are in a disorienting space. And like I said, we've had to find new ways to do our most basic things. We approach all our routine activities in brand new ways. The way we shop, the way we manage our meals, the way we socialize, the way we handle our jobs or handle schooling, it's all different. I think back to August when we were planning uh, for the fall for new life and looking forward to 2021, and I remember feeling especially exhausted in August. I remember thinking about going into the fall and still not knowing exactly how this was going to play out and how long we'd be in this crisis. We have not usually had, we've had moments of crisis as a nation, but not these ongoing extended periods of crisis where our day-to-day, moment-to-moment life is interrupted and disrupted. And so I think we can learn something from the way God approaches his people in this crisis of exile, as we see here in Isaiah 40. How does God respond to them in a season of crisis? Not a moment of crisis, but an extended season of crisis. Does he tell them, I told you so? I told you this would happen? I warned you? Does he continue the harsh language of, uh, of caution and, and pleading for them to change course the way he did in chapters 1 through 39? No, he doesn't. He makes a shift here. God speaks tenderly to his people in this part of Isaiah. He sees their crisis. He sees their pain. He sees that they've been brought low, and he speaks tenderly to them. Remember, in chapters 1 through 39, he spoke strong words of warning because he was trying to get through to his people. He was trying to get through to the kings. And in true prophetic style, even in those chapters, you will see words of hope. But, and they're weaved throughout. But here is a dramatic shift. In fact, this part of Isaiah is often called the book of consolation because the worst has happened. And God comes to them and speaks tenderly in that moment. In fact, we can see it right from this first verse, how dramatically it shifts to tenderness. The opening verse is comfort, comfort, people, my people, says your God. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. It's a dramatic shift. God chooses to comfort his people with such tenderness. And even though this is a situation that they've entered into through their poor choices and and, uh, unwillingness to change, he's still filled with compassion for them. And in their waiting, he longs to draw them close and comfort them. In fact, let's look at verse 11. It says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. 
He gathers the lamb in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads them, them that have young. What a tender, tender image. He reminds them that he's in control. He's got them. He can handle whatever is coming their way. And not only can he fulfill his promises, he wants to. He loves his children, and that has not changed. In fact, look at verse 27. This is a word that maybe some of you have on your hearts today. Do you see us, God? My way is hidden from the Lord. Do you see us? Do you see what we're dealing with, God? Do you see how hard it is to make it day to day? How will you set things right? That's the cry here of Israel. But he continues to respond with gentleness, with tenderness, with love and compassion. And in fact, this is the same kindness, compassion, and love we see. We see this in the Father, and we know it is also revealed to us in Jesus. He is the same loving, forgiving, tender-hearted Father that we see here. Jesus is that incarnate, made in flesh. And this is why we can trust in his character and that he will keep his promises. This is who he is. This is who he is in the Old Testament, and this is who is revealed to us in Jesus. So our hope will not be disappointed. We won't wait in vain. And so as we wait in Advent, we remember that this king has come and comes again and will come again. I'm thinking about, uh, I, I, I actually, um, this, this pandemic season, I decided I was going to try to get in shape. Since I didn't have to commute and I had a more flexible schedule, I thought, let me try to get in shape. Now, I do this about, you know, once every one to two years, usually in the spring, I get this, you know, rush of blood to the head that I'm going to get in shape. Uh, I'm going to somehow completely be a different person. I am not an athletic person. I am not an in-shape person, or at least I wasn't. Um, And so I do this every one to two years, and I usually fail miserably. Uh, I always try to run. I'm not even sure why I always fixate on that, but it just seems the easiest thing. Uh, and uh, I try to do these couch to 5K programs. So, you know, you start with like some walking, some running, and eventually you're supposed to get to a point where you can run for 30 minutes continuously. I have never achieved that goal. Uh, and so I was convinced, I was like, this is the time. I've turned 40. It's time to really get serious about getting in shape. It's never going to get easier. And so I started. And I started um, in end of May. Now, this program is supposed to take nine weeks. So I think about two months in, I was like, I was still very early in the program. I just kept having to repeat runs. I ended up having to get different kinds of shoes because I was getting aches and pains. And then at some point in the middle of summer, I realized my heart rate was too high. And so I had to go back to, to previous runs and run them slower. And, you know, honestly, I had a, a number of setbacks. Now, what changed this time? What was different? Uh, I actually was so much kinder to myself this time. You know, I just decided my goal is to get healthy. My goal is not to finish this program on time. And so I took my time. I kept rerunning different runs, kept revisiting. It felt like Groundhog Day. I just kept doing the same runs over and over. And I thought, will I ever get strong enough to master these? But eventually I did, especially because I didn't see myself as just a failure and berate myself. 
And so I got to tell you, this past week, just a few days ago, I had my first 30-minute run, continuous, no stopping. I did it. I achieved my goal. <laughs> and it only took me over six months instead of two months. <laughs> it took me way longer than it's supposed to. But I got to tell you that kindness and tenderness in a time of challenge and difficulty goes such a long way. And it's the same here in the Bible. When, they, when archaeologists look at homes from before the exile, the Israelite homes had idols in them. It was very, very common to find idols in Israelite homes. But when you, do look, when you look at homes that were after the exile, you find that these Jewish homes did not have idols in them. They were changed by this time of waiting and by God's great compassion and love to them. So when they returned to the land to await a Messiah, a king who would reestablish a kingdom that truly represented God, a king that would not fail, they waited well. Unlike before, they were able to hold fast to God. They were changed by love and care in a time of difficulty. And so what does that mean for us today in 2020 as we wait through a pandemic, as we wait through government transitions and political transitions, as we wait in Advent? Well, God is still coming to us with tenderness through Jesus. God is still coming to us with tenderness through Jesus. Just like he came to Israel almost 2,500 years ago now, he comes to us through Jesus with that same compassion for our frailty. In Jesus, we can still receive these words of kindness and care. They are for you. I know many of us are weary and stretched thin. Receive these words of grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Let's look at verse 28 again. First, God establishes that he will never tire. God has an inexhaustible supply of strength. He will never find himself unable to make good on his plans. And then when we shift to verse 29, he reminds us that since he is the only one that will never run out of strength, he will give it to all those who need it. That's who he is. And by verse 30, he's reminding us that even the strongest, healthiest person, the person at their peak, in their prime, will still run out of strength. You see, even at your best, there is an end to your strength. But there is no end to his strength. That is the power of this word for you today. By verse 31, there's an invitation. And I actually have this verse above my bed at home. There's a picture. Uh, I know it's hard to read it, but that's verses 29, 30, and 31. Um, I didn't crop it so you could see it better because I think the cat adds a certain elegance to my uh, living space there. <laughs> so I was like, oh, she makes it look so chic. I'm going to leave it there. But that's that verse up there. It's something I painted recently. Um, because my tendency is to overwork, is to overfunction, is to try to get it all done, to try to push myself harder. But the invitation here is to wait on the Lord. Because those who wait on the Lord will have their strength renewed. 
I ask myself sometimes as I go to bed, am I soaring, am I running, or am I walking? And that's my question for you today. Are you soaring, are you running, or are you walking? Some of us in this crisis have been soaring. Maybe you even feel a little guilty about it. And, you know, this might group might skew a bit more toward the introverts because you have a little more uh, social space and capital. For some of us, it's a simplified commute. And so it means you're getting into shape. It means maybe you're eating better or you're trying to develop healthier habits. You know, some of you find that the limitations actually have increased your creativity. And so you're making art, music, writing. And God is coming to you in this season of waiting, and you are soaring, and that's beautiful. And I pray that you share your gifts with us. But there's many of us that are running. You started this spring thinking this would be a sprint, not realizing that by the fall, you would still be running, that we're coming to the end of month nine and going into winter without an end in sight. And so you're still running and you're trying to keep pace. Maybe you're homeschooling young ones or you're a caretaker of someone. Maybe you're a business owner or you have a job that requires you to constantly reinvent what you do to make it work in a virtual setting. Maybe the demands of your work are just relentless regardless of the crisis. Maybe you're an essential worker and you're afraid about keeping pace in this new surge of virus cases. You are running. And God's promise to you is that he will give you strength to keep you running so that you won't become too weary as you wait on him. He will sustain you as you run so that you can move forward with him. But maybe you can't even come close to running right now. Maybe you are barely walking. You're making it day to day, hour to hour. Maybe you're disabled, you're chronically ill. The pandemic has made it harder for you to get the kind of care and support you need. Maybe you're unemployed and you're not sure how you're going to manage this winter. Maybe you're lonely and the colder months mean less get-togethers. Maybe you've lost a loved one and you didn't get to say goodbye properly. And the thought of more holidays and special events without that person is so painful. Forget keeping pace. You're just trying to stay standing upright. This invitation is for you too. God promises to keep you, to hold you, to help you, so that you won't faint, but that you can keep walking. And no matter how slowly, he is going to sustain you. And as you wait, he will catch you before you think you're going to fall. Advent reminds us that we're all waiting on Jesus. He has come. He is coming to us even now. And he's coming back for us. And so wherever you find yourself today, God has an endless supply of strength for you. He sees how hard you're working to keep yourself together, to make it day to day. He sees your need for strength, and he's ready to give you that strength and hope from his own unending supply. He will renew your strength even when you think you've hit your limit. 
so that you're able to keep soaring, keep running, keep walking. And so for some of you, this might be a good moment after service to engage those prayer rooms so that you can really receive these words of tenderness, of grace, of mercy that you need to make it through this season. This is the invitation here today to receive Jesus' words of tenderness to you, of his grace to you, of his mercy to you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for sustaining us. Thank you for keeping us. Oh, Lord, I pray for those who are soaring, and I pray that they would continue to soar, that you would continue to um, help them feel the wind of the Spirit under their wings. And that what they experience, they would share. God, I pray for those who are running today, who feel like, man, I didn't sign up. I did not sign up for a marathon. And they're running. They're running to keep their families going. They're running to meet all the demands of school, of work, of household, of family. God, I pray that you would sustain them, keep them from getting weary, God, that you would give them the strength and the hope they need, that they would fix their eyes on you, Jesus. They would hear your tender words to them, and they would know that what they can do is okay, that you are coming to them even in the running, that you see them, that you will keep them. And God, I pray for those who are walking, who feel they are barely standing upright, God, who it takes all their strength to take that next step, God. God, please give them the strength they need today, God. Let them feel their arms, your arms around them, God, holding them up, keeping them from fainting. Remind them, God, that their hope is in you, that their strength is in you, that you will keep them. Even in this season that is so difficult. Let them hear, God, your words of tenderness to them today. That if they wait upon you, you you will renew their strength. Be with us, God. Come to us this Advent season as we continue to wait for you to be revealed, for your glory to come. Let us be witnesses in this time of waiting. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, you know, that's a beautiful message and a beautiful reminder for all of us. And the reality, this mic is out here. The reminder that God is always with us and he's always for us and he's always supporting us and loving us is something that we need to continually and continually hear. 
So this is a perfect time for communion. The communion table reminds each and every one of us. It doesn't matter if you're soaring today. It doesn't matter if you are at the that a low point today. Everybody comes to the communion table at the same point. We are all leveled and equal at the table of communion. So I'm going to ask those of you in the room to stand. And those of you at home, prepare your elements. And let's, um, let's prepare ourselves. We're going to share our prayer of confession together. So let's begin. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault in thought, in word, in deed, in what we have done and what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in the newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He offered it to the Father. And likewise, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. Whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And so, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, we're going to share this time together, remembering always that God is for you. God is with you. God is loving you, whether you are soaring. God is loving you, whether this is a good day. God is loving you, whether this is an average day. And God is loving you, even when it does not feel like a good day for you. So let's take together. Amen. And maybe, you know, if you're out there today and you're hearing this message and you're really just wondering, you know, what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with me? Just remember the promises of God are for every one of us that know him, every one of us in season and out of season. You don't have to be a special person for God to love you. You don't have to be always doing the right thing or being in the right spot or having a good day. God loves you unconditionally. The only thing he asks is that you would hear him when he calls you because he's always calling you. He's always pursuing you. He's always loving you. It never, ever, ever ends. His ability to love you and his pursuit for you, it's limitless. It knows no bounds. It's just up for you to hear him. So we're going to close our service. 
And I'm going to invite you to respond in a couple of different ways. As Pastor Sharon said, um, after this, ser- this service, she's going to be participating in a sermon discussion. It's going to be about 30 minutes for those of you that are online, so you, you need to tune into that. You'll be able to ask some questions that you may have and just spend that time just talking to others and sharing how this sermon is maybe impacting you right now. There's also a prayer lobby that you can attend and you can get prayer virtually online and have someone pray for you. Um, maybe there's something that this sermon is stirred up in your heart and you really need to bear witness with somebody for that as well. And again, there are some people that I know are listening. And sometimes we let these moments go by and that's, you know, that's a normal human reaction. But for some of you, today is an opportunity for you to act on what you have heard. And it's your opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And so we're going to ask you to text to that number that you see on your screen right now. One of our pastors will reach out to you within 24 hours. And they'll lead you in a process of finding and hearing this God who's calling you right now. So in this room, I'm going to ask you to open your hands. And those of you that are listening also virtually, please open your hands as well. I'm going to pray for us and pronounce a blessing over you. Remember, God is with you. He is calling you. He is for you. He is loving you. He is pursuing you. And as you go through this week, allow him to comfort you. Allow him to allow you to be comforted. Receive that word of comfort, regardless of what happens as these days unfold. He is there for you. So may the peace of God, may the peace of God rest over you. May the peace of God transform you. May the peace of God penetrate each and every part of your body. May this be the week when you really, really begin to see the depth, the height, the breadth of the love that your God has for you. May this be the week that you no longer doubt whether God continues to love you, whether God is truly for you. May this be the week that because of the love that God imparts into your heart and into your soul, you're able to go forward and love someone and show them how he loves them as well through you. And may you go forward from today knowing that peace is yours. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.